who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Hello there, everyone. Welcome back to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, where we talk about the many incredible pursuits of our favorite hero, Jonathan. This week, I have a very special guest host, friend of the pod, podcaster extraordinaire, Vanity Fair writer, and all around dreamboat, Joanna freaking Robinson. We have a fashion watch from Kate Leth, a sexual tension award segment from Jenny Owen Youngs, and a song with four different voices, including a new addition to the Buffering Universe with the voice of Giles. Wonder who's it gonna be? Not me, even though that was a wonderful vocal performance I just delivered. Okay, we're gonna get right into the episode today. I just have a couple things for you. First, the Sexual Attention Award winners from last episode. So we are talking about who are you. I know you all like when we do the winners together so you can get Jenny's responses in real time, live time. So uh, today I texted Jenny. I asked her for her response uh, to this to these results. Uh, first, I'm going to tell you the results. 3% last place, Faith and the Lady Dancer. Um, third place, 13% for Joyce and Stevedore Giles. 33%, maybe the first time that they have not won when they've been nominated Willow and Tara, and 50 complete percent for Faith and Champagne Popped Spike. I'm sorry. I didn't know I was going to say that. It just happened. Jenny's response to me was, oh, hell yeah, Leathergate. My main response is, and then she sent me a photo of us doing our live taping at PodCon where her face is flat on the table as I read aloud the monologue Faith delivers to Spike via Buffy's body. So that's kind of what you'd get if Jenny were sitting here with me right now while I was doing this intro. I hope you enjoy it. Okay, you know what we're going to jump right into? Yeah, you do. Cool. 
so spiders are going to eat uh, every human on the planet within less than a year uh, if they decide to. So it's really up to them. So far, they've decided not to. But apparently, this is a report from The Sun, uh, a UK paper. It's always the UK, uh, given spooky news. And I, oh, there's a horrible picture of a spider in this article that I just scrolled down to, and I'm upset. Put a call out to all of you to send me some stories about like ghosts and vampires so that I don't have to talk. The picture of this spider I'm looking at is so upsetting. So that I don't have to look at pictures of spiders or think about spiders. Okay, here's a little bit from this news story. <clears throat> at the moment, spiders mostly eat the things we know they eat. You know, insects, but there's some big ones that <laughs> snack on lizards, birds. Some even eat small mammals. I'm so upset. According to a report published in the Washington Post, experts say if you add up, this is the most upsetting thing of all time, the weight of all the food eaten by the world's entire spider population in a single year, it's less than the combined weight of every human on the planet. I'm like itching my arms and back and stomach as I tell you this news. Uh, Martin Neffeffer? Martin Neffeller? Martin Neffeller of the University of Basel in Switzerland and Klaus Burkhofer of Lund University in Sweden uh, published their findings in the Science of Nature journal this month. Uh, if spiders talk to each other and they decided, you know what? Fuck these guys. They could just get together and eat us all. Is that true? Is this real? I hate. Why did I ever start doing this segment? That's your spooky news. Okay, couple tiny things. We have merchandise. We have brand new uh, Kelly Green Smash the Demon Lizard Patriarchy t-shirts and hoodies. I have the hoodie. I'm obsessed with it. It's so awesome. So you should get one. Uh, we also have socks that are back in stock and, you know, just a ton of fun things. Support your local alewives, the Girl Gang t-shirt, enamel pins aplenty, uh, even a vinyl of uh, I Will Remember You with so many beautiful songs, you know? So there's a lot of fun things over there. Bufferingthevampireslayer.com. Just click on shop. You can also support us by going over to our Patreon page. We have four levels now. They're all pretty rockin'. The new level gets exclusive merchandise. This latest round was pretty exciting, I have to say. Uh, you get the music in advance if you're at the $5 level or higher. Uh, it's a, just a really fun place to be. Uh, and of course, if you're not already listening to our sister podcast, Angel on Top, you should be. Brittany and Laura literally get better at talking about this show and humanity every week. I'm obsessed with them. You should be too. It's a really, really fun way to do a rewatch or a first watch of Angel. Last but not least, thank you to Lauren Klein, our sound engineer, who you can follow on Instagram if you want, Lauren Taylor Klein. She's always making us sound good. So thanks, Lauren. All right. You ready to get into the, our favorite topic of conversation? Jonathan, Jonathan, Jonathan? Me too. And 
welcome to Buffering the Vampire Slayer, a podcast where we'll be watching and discussing every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer one by one, spoiler free. I am Kristen Russo. And I am a very special guest, Joanna <laughs> Really, and I feel like in this universe, Joanna, now you've become the Jonathan because you're the special guest. So, he like, literally says that. I will be the special guest. Yeah. That's what he says. <laughs> I love it. Uh, this week, if you didn't already guess, we're talking about season four, episode 17, Superstar. Stay tuned at the end of this podcast every week for an original song written by Jenny Owen Youngs, recapping the Buffy episode we are discussing. Superstar was written by Jane Espenson and directed by David Grossman, and it originally aired on April 4th, 2000. Made it to the 2000s with us, Joanna. We made it! <laughs> Out of the 90s. <laughs> this is the one where Buffy senses that something is amiss. When Jonathan becomes a hero to everyone in Sunnydale. I don't know why that would be a miss because Go. Jonathan is so handsome Jonathan so great. Jonathan is so dapper in this episode. Extremely. Which obviously is intentional, but because when we start with the previously on, it's like Jonathan is like sweating in a church tower with a gun and oh, then yeah. like we cut and he's like turning around in his chair and a suit and looking all. They put his hair up. You never never underestimate the up hair. Yeah. You'll notice by the end of the episode when he's back in his like dumpy striped shirt that they like have combed his hair back down so he's got like the nerd bangs, like yeah. the late 90s nerd bangs. And it's like, no, bro, just put the hair yeah. up. Yeah, take a hint from your superstar yeah. self. <laughs> put the hair up. <laughs> uh, but this is – so I, of course, didn't watch the series in real time. And I wonder as someone who did – you did, right? You watched yeah. it in real time. Do you remember like seeing this previously on and being like, what the fuck? Because – I don't think I – I don't know. Maybe I didn't watch the previously ons, but I do remember, like, getting to the opening credit credits and, like, losing my mind, and it's still one of my favorite things about Buffy ever. Can I tell you that I did not notice until this most recent watch? Oh, really? Somehow. I must, like – I must, like, be taking notes and, like, when the credits start, I'll, like, take some notes sure. on the print, whatever. You're like, I know the theme song. This is fine. Right. I know what happens yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. It was literally yesterday when I watched a tape with you that I was like, oh, my fucking God. Yeah. The credits are all Jonathan Splice. Oh, so good. Um, yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting. I was thinking about that today where there would be no way for this episode to be – I don't know how much, like, a shock and surprise because I was on the Buffy boards when I watched it live. Uh, in the late 90s, early aughts. And we would get, like, episode descriptions. I remember. It's the first show I ever, like, would read the episode description in advance and stuff like that on a message board. Um, <laughs> but I don't remember being, I don't know, quote, unquote, spoiled for this. And I'm, like, I was just thinking now, like, there's no way, like, this would be a surprise to anyone. Yeah. Because the way that TV works now and the way we're all – the fandom is all dialed in on the internet. Like, you know, like, Joss would have had to give an interview where he's, like – this season we're going to do a Jonathan episode. You know what I mean? Right. And like Danny Strong would have given an interview. You know, like it all would have like come out beforehand. Yeah. So there's a beauty to like being surprised by what this episode is, which is a sort of – it's so interesting. Um, you were surprised, right, Kristen, that I wanted to talk about this episode? Yes. I, yeah. And I like I don't know what my feelings are in this episode. I feel like I go back and forth. But yeah, I just – when I was like, Joanna, do you want to do an episode with me? It's going to be superstar. Like I like had an apology in my yeah. voice and you were like – Fuck yeah. yeah. Hell yes. I love Superstar. Um, Superstar is like sort of a Zeppo episode, totally. right? But then it also, and we won't talk about it because we don't spoil things on this podcast, but it also just like lays track for yeah. a lot of themes that Buffy will explore in the future. And in many ways, I think it's 
starting to show you how ahead of its time Buffy was in, in certain things. Hmm. And so I just – I like this episode, especially in the larger context of the show. So I can understand why your listeners watching for the first time are like – a Jonathan episode who signed up for that. But yeah. like, I think those of your listeners, I hope those of your listeners who have seen the whole thing will be like, it is interesting what I feel like you can see them getting interested in certain ideas that will play out later. That's probably all we can say without spoiling. I'm so frustrated because yeah. I want to know <laughs> like, which ones. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that makes sense. And that is probably why I'm like, I think it's okay, but I don't really know because yeah. As you know, I'm familiar with the series, but once we get past the episode we're talking about or, like, the season we're talking about, I'm not that familiar. Right. Like, I know the big things that are coming, but right. um, it's really the first critical look I've done at the series ever. That's what, that's what makes you so fun to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> um, You'll never get this version of me again, oh, listeners. <laughs> fleeting. It's so fleeting. Um, but what I was going to say is I was going back through and reading – I don't think I've ever done this before an episode and I don't know why I haven't because it's very helpful that there's like a Wikipedia entry for right. every episode of Buffy, yeah. which has most of them have like some fun trivia on them. And, um, or maybe I've read them before. Anyway, I forgot. For me, it was like the first time. And I was reading a snippet from Noel Murray, who still writes for a number of great outlets, uh, was writing for the AV Club at the time this, this came out. And he wrote about the episode. He said like, it's an interesting blend of a standalone episode and the overarching like main storyline, mm. you know, because the Adam storyline gets a little advanced. Yeah. The Riley Buffy stuff gets advanced. All that happens. It's not like a standard like, you know, standalone, isolated sort of episode. Totally. But similarly to the Zeppo, which also sort of progresses some things. Right. Um, in that episode. And Noel Murray at the time was like, I don't know. I think he was like it, it was it was a you know a bit of a challenge to keep track to keep everything together, this reality versus this reality and how they're blending. And I don't know if I would rather this had just been like a really traditional standalone where everything was different. Yeah. Sort of like some of the alternate universe stuff we saw in like season three. Right. When like we go that. to Cleveland. Yeah. We, right. Yeah. Exactly. So like in this Jonathan world, everything's different. There is no shrimp or whatever. And there's no Adam <laughs> and there's no initiative and there's no face swapping bodies with Buffy and whatever it is. Right. This is uh, – that's almost an easier script to write, I think, and I think this is more challenging. And I actually like it because I think it gives nuance to what Jonathan does, which we can all agree is, like, a bad thing to do. Right. But especially the way it interacts with the Buffy and uh, Riley plotline, like, not um, – just so obviously not a malicious thing to do. Right. And I mean, like, you know, we're skipping to the end a yeah. little bit, but but when you learn, like, how he came to do this, at least if we assume that Jonathan's telling the truth, right? I don't think that he was aware of some of the darker implications that his magic or this magic would have. You yeah. know, he goes out of his way to say, like, the guy who told me about this kind of, like, glossed over the whole monster, monster thing. thing. Uh, and and this is true to – I mean, the last time we saw Jonathan in any, like, developed capacity – yeah, because he's been on since then, but not with a deeper yeah. bit – was Earshot, yeah. which is essentially the same thread, just – played a different way yeah right it's like he feels alone he wants friends but that's the echo of this episode. i really do love this episode that's the echo of this episode it ends once again we're skipping to the end but like <laughs> i do want to pick apart a little bit of what you said and we will talk about it again i think when we get to it but the end message of the show for both buffy and jonathan is like you can't just fix it with one big thing right so like buffy showing up to save the day at the end of your shot 
didn't fix Jonathan. Right. Right. And so, you know, and even though he was at prom and like in a position to do something nice for her, that doesn't mean like his problems are gone at the end of the hour. Right. You know? And and what's incredible about you saying that is that's even nestled into the episode. Right. Where they were in his version in his wish, it's actually him receiving the award. So like that beautiful moment we saw, we know now that Jonathan was like there for it, but also was sad and like wanted to be the one that was getting the recognition. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But like, it's, um, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. I just find the Jonathan character to be one of the most fascinating characters on Buffy because not just because I really like Danny Strong, which I do, but like, because how he crops up at the very beginning just as a background player, which they did not have plans to expand him the way they did. But then what they wound up doing with him, yeah. like, really pays off in the way that, like, I don't know. Did you see the skateboarding documentary, Minding the Gap? No. Nominated for an Oscar this year. It's on Hulu if you're interested and all. But, like, this kid, when the guy who directed it was a skateboarder as a teenager and just happened to, like, film his friends a lot. Mm-hmm. And then the documentary follows them for decades. Wow. And it's just sort of, like... It just happened to be that this kid who has, like, a knack for filmmaking and skateboarding happened to film his friends when they were, like, teens. Yeah. And so we just happen to have all this stuff for Jonathan that informs a long, long arc on this show, mm-hmm. um, which wasn't intentional, but nonetheless, I think they took advantage of. Yeah. So... Joanna, I love doing episodes with you. Chris and I love doing episodes with you. It's just so great, you know? Oh, I just love the perspective that you bring because you have, I mean, especially based on like what you do in your life day to day, I feel like you bring things to the series that Jenny and I do not have at all um, from what we do day to day. Uh, and it's just, it's fun. Right. But I don't have the appreciation for hunks that Jenny has. <laughs> true. And there was like a real hunk moment in this episode. And I felt like. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it also we will have a sexual tension award segment from jenny and you know when she's put in charge of things i I cannot imagine that there won't be some hunks nominated hunk talk 2019 all right oh so okay so we talked about the credits something that we didn't talk about yet and i'm sure that we will but that i noticed right away is their wardrobe like how how the costuming in this episode has shifted uh and we'll hear from kate we'll bring kate in a little later but it's really a cool choice i think to make the right it's the all it's in it's an alternate universe buffy's hair is curly once again just right. as it is and apparently every alternate reality yeah but they all look a little different they all look almost like a like a drawing of their character like there's like harder lines oh, and, so interesting i, didn't I mean we'll see what kate yeah. says i'm not an expert on this <laughs> we'll see what kate says when we get to her but that's what i noticed that that it just seemed like I don't know, Buffy's jacket, you know, had like hard angles on it. It was, it just oh, looked that. visually different to me. One of my favorite things about looking at the Wikipedia entry for this episode is that it literally had a bullet point about just about Buffy's hair, which is my first note in Ooh, my notes, which yes. is like Buffy's hair is curly. And it was like, Buffy's hair is curly as it was in this episode. And in this episode, like it was like someone's on hardcore Buffy hair watch. <laughs> and I feel like we should have some kind of infographic or chart. Because, <gasps> You're you know, right. You know what I mean? Because, like, there should definitely be, like, the baby bangs entry. Yes. 
We're going to need, you know, like. We need the beer bad entry. Yeah, the beer bad entry. <laughs> There's like the variations of blonde that she goes through and stuff like that. Yeah. There may or may not be an important haircut later. I couldn't possibly say. You know, like, wow. I think Buffy Hair Watch is, is an infographic that I would enjoy. Well, you've put it you out know? there, Joanna. And you know what happens when you put things out there. Your listeners are. They, so often, <laughs> they often come back. Handy. <laughs> <laughs> so I, uh, one of the reasons I was also excited to talk to you about this is because literally my notes about like the the sort of style of this episode and some of the things they do stylistically I've written like Mission Impossible James Bond like I know that they're referencing things and my guess was James Bond but I have no idea because oh, I know you've never seen it nothing I've I mean I think I've seen Mission Impossible I don't think I've seen James Bond like what I know of James Bond is from like Austin Powers you're talking a lot about like the soundtrack right <laughs> yeah the soundtrack and but you know some what- of the like like when yeah. Jonathan is is blindfolded and then they like pan and it's like three dudes with three apples yeah. on their heads. It just seemed like there was some style stuff happening. Well, you know what the theme song actually sounds like, right? Yeah. Detective Angel. <laughs> That's exactly like if Jenny is not busy, which I know she is and wants to do like a superstar Jonathan sort of like jingle, right? Like wow. he's just like – that's his theme song. It's basically Detective Angel, like, this whole time. I am so excited that you have said this because I already commissioned Jenny to do a jingle later. Spoiler, new jingle. It's not even a new jingle. It's just a repurposed uh, Detective Riley because oh. there's a Detective Riley moment. Nice. So now I'll ask her if she can also do... I mean, it's just she just has to delay the vocal over the same sure. track. She easy, can easy. do it. You can do it, right, Jenny? Superstar Jenny. <laughs> but yeah, you know, you're right. It's very, it's, it's, um, spy. I mean, but I think it's like spoof of spy. Yes. It's like, I guess it gets, is like Austin Powers. It's Austin Powers is like get smart. It's like, yeah. you know, the old TV show spy. Like, you know, there's like, there's like a whole bunch of stuff that it's referencing there, but I don't think it's like, but it's like the spoof of. Right. It's, it's, it's an adolescent boy's like dream of God. what spying is. It's, it's so amazing good. too. I think they execute it brilliantly and, and and throughout. Like it's not even just like little, like a little thing here, a little thing there. It's sort no. of like threaded through the whole yeah. episode. Um, I wrote in all caps, the music. We need to talk really quickly about the, clo- the opening credits. Yes, please. And your favorite part of it. <sighs> so there's, my favorite part is not the end though. I love it. It's definitely there's I think it's the cut before the end cut. John, I can't remember what he is doing though. Do you remember all the things that Jonathan is doing? In no, the- one of them is he's diffusing a bomb. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> there's a lot of like posing with his like little crossbow. The cr- yeah, I think there's yeah. a crossbow moment, but I really appreciate the interspersing, and I'm sure that some of you, maybe you, I don't know, know what they had to t- is they had to take things out. To oh, fit him in. One would guess in order to make the music. Uh, we need a side-by-side. I know this because when Jenny and I do live events, yeah. I put us in. And it's really hard to do. I mean, I know that the credit editors are much more skilled than I am. No. But. <laughs> no. No. But it's hard to keep the rhythm of the music and, like, have things that you put in land in the proper way. And yeah. they do. So I just. Yeah. I, I actually, when I watched this, I was like, oh, my God. The next time Jenny and I do a live show and I do credits, I'm going to use these credits. Because then I can just pull Jonathan out put you in the Jonathan and put spot. us in the Jonathan spot. Can you please be diffusing a bomb? <laughs> yes. Great. Actually, Jenny and I will try to get footage of ourselves doing all of the things yeah. Jonathan is doing. And then the slow-mo walk to camera, please. Oh, my God. Thank you. Um, so, and the other thing in the opening credits, it's been a while since we recorded. 
Um, I don't yes. know if Emma Caulfield and James Marsters were in the opening credits. They were like almost just about in the opening credits when the last time we recorded. Right. But I forgot that Mark Blucas is already and like also. Oh, yeah. on the, and so like he showed up and I was like, you know, I don't like Riley. And I was like, oh, Blucas. <laughs> Fucking Blucas is here in the credits. So, you know. My fear. So I talked to Jenny about this already and her and I will definitely be talking about it the next time we do an episode together. But I tried really hard to get Mark Blucas to surprise Jenny. Jenny at prom uh, and my fear and he like you know his agent was in conversation with me or whatever and yeah. he wasn't able to do it and the thing I'm most afraid of is that he was like oh this sounds so cool let me check the podcast out and yeah. then he like heard me being like yeah like fucking Riley sucks and here's a jingle and like also here's me as in a Wonder Bread costume for Halloween as well so I'm hoping that Mark Lucas somewhere knows that I love and adore him uh, oh it's true I uh, like Lucas honestly and I've seen him in other things. I think, believe he's in the Cameron Diaz, Tom Cruise joint at uh, night and day. Um, <laughs> no, I like Mark Blues when he shows up and like plays a firefighter and things, but like, but no, I just Riley, don't like Riley. It's no. not, it's not Mark's fault. It's nice to be in shared company. You know, I yeah. really struggle with my current co-host on, on our Riley opinions. <laughs> uh, so a note that I made uh, early on is about like Jonathan's. So I'm going to play a jingle. And then discuss it. The patriarchy! <laughs> so I'm playing the patriarchy jingle in a general amorphous kind of way, mm -hmm. which doesn't usually happen. Yeah. Because I'm I'm in one moment with not one moment but like on one hand with Jonathan I feel like oh like I don't like the way he's sort of like daddying about like yeah don't worry I have the advice you need and I have the whatever right. you need oh it's it's what's important is that you tried your best yes yeah that makes me feel feel men feelings oh yeah of course but what's interesting about what the episode does is that it's not just the women like all of the characters in the universe are spoken to like that. And all of the characters in the universe are like hiding away their Jonathan swimsuit calendars, for example. So we're here to talk about Rupert Giles right now. The yeah, fact I mean, that like Jonathan had the audacity to call him Rupert. I was like, where do you get off right? calling him Rupert? But like it is, it's like, it's a, it's a boy's idea of like what, you know, how a man talks to another man. He's like, you know, good news. We don't have any uh, unholy feast of something surprising us. You know what I mean? Right. Like he's got, he makes Giles laugh. Like, and that, but that's the thing is like, it's disrespectful on the one hand to call Giles Rupert if you're didn't, are not like sleeping with him or whatever, but like, <laughs> you're not Olivia. Um, <laughs> but on the other hand, um, you know, his fantasy is to be important to these people. And so he like massively respects Giles. Yeah. Right. And so he feels so inferior to people all the time. So it's not just that he – it's not that he wants, like, mastery over these people, which he, like, somewhat does. But, like, he he just wants them to, like, admire them. And he thinks that this is, you know, what admiration is. Yeah. And that's – like, that's what he explains at the end of the episode. That's why this, this episode – I'm glad you played the patriarchy jingle. I think we should talk about like the way that Jonathan daddies the whole episode. But at the same time, it's like it's not clear cut evil. If it were no. clear cut evil, he would be trying to like, you know, fuck Buffy or like whatever it is. And he's not. I mean, we could talk about the twins if we want to, but like he's not doing that. He's not trying to like rip things apart. He's genuinely trying to do what the he right. thinks is good. Yes. 
And I'm glad you brought that up and brought like the twins up because as I was watching it, especially this last time taking my notes and everything, yeah. I was like, this is really interesting because his idea is not sexualizing really anything. I mean, the, it almost felt like the twins were there as like an afterthought. Like it didn't even seem like it fit with Jonathan's right. version of- It wasn't important to No. Him. Yeah. He wanted to like save the world and be respected yeah. and feel and like feel that people needed him. Yeah. Um, which is sad. It's and sad and it's sweet and it's disturbing. It's all of those things together. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, like, I don't want to give him a free pass. It's not at all no. what I'm trying to do. I just think, like, why I like this episode is because it's, like, it's a more insidious kind of evil. It's an evil – it's – when we talk about young boys or young men and toxic masculinity, I think, you know, people think that when you have sympathy for them – being sort of swept up by social norms, social expectations, that you're giving them a free pass. Right. I just want to make it really clear. I'm at no point giving Jonathan a free pass on this. I just think that it's like you can have sympathy for him and be like, this is so fucked up, you know? Yeah. And and that it's an interesting twist on like what a dude would wish for when the genie comes out of the bottle. What the power fantasy is. Right. right. Yeah. Like it's it's not the typical power fantasy. Yeah. There's elements of it certainly. And yeah. like the tw I think maybe that's why I'm annoyed with the twins being in it because I feel like the rest of it is like more nuanced and yeah, delicate. I agree. I don't love the twins being there. Um, but yeah. Okay. So we. I mean this conversation is so delightful. I feel like we're not – we don't even need to go scene by scene uh, like I normally do. But I do – Want to talk about the collaging that's happening by our witches? Yes. 90s collaging, they go together. But also, like, queer women and collaging is, like, a thing that exists. Is it? Yes. And, well, I mean, I guess I operate in one segment of uh, being a queer woman, which is that I'm super good friends with Reese Bernard, who runs Autostraddle. And Reese is the best... Like, if you ever need a collage commissioned, uh -huh. call her. Okay. She's amazing at it. And, and I run A-Camp, right? I co-direct yeah, yeah, A-Camp. Yeah. And there's always at least one, if not two to three to four, collaging workshops. Like, queer women fucking love to collage. It's so funny. My, like, my friend, who happens to be a queer woman, has she does these vision boards is, like, a big thing that she does, which yes. is essentially, like, a collage with intention. And, like... <laughs> She she was I was just over at her house the other day and she was like here's my 2019 and like showing it to me yes. and so when I first watched this episode I forgot what they were doing so you just see them like tearing out things and they're like making collage but I wrote down vision board <laughs> question mark and then I was like oh no it's a Jonathan collage I know I actually That's had that same progression I was like because at first I forgot what they were doing yeah, and yeah, I was yeah. like oh my god this is so dead on queer women and yeah. collaging yeah <laughs> yeah oh it's uh, but they're collaging and I I don't I don't want to like hit this too many times because like we've already had the conversation about like the patriarchy and like how this is kind of a twist on what a male fantasy might be or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I also think like, you know what? It's the early 2000s. We have these two queer characters that are like just kind of coming out of hiding or whatever. Like right. we're transitioning from witchcraft to actual like, oh, we think we might like each other. And the fact that nothing was done with that in a, in a weird or uncomfortable way in this fantasy of Jonathan's is also pretty fucking great. Yeah. Uh, I guess my question is like, does Jonathan get to watch the scenes that he's not a part of? Ooh. <gasps> because, like, that's what I – I never thought that, like, he would 
be able to like review because he's off doing something else sure. while this is happening. And so I don't feel like he goes home and watches like CCTV of like right, right. So he wouldn't need to have Willow and Tara like having sex or whatever. But what I do like about the scene is like you think it's completely independent of what's going on. You think they're having a chat. Yes. And then like they're also in the most like annoying Buffy is the most important person in the universe. They're having a chat about Buffy. And they're like, <laughs> like is that what Willow and Tara would be talking about? <laughs> right. But then you pan out and you're like, oh, this is still a Jonathan scene. Yes. <laughs> you know? Yes. So. And I guess Right. Like, uh, you know, not that he could watch this scene and that, like, they would be having sex, but more so that, like, when he interacts with anyone, their desire for him is, like, all equal. Yeah. And that, like, these these queer witches are not put in any different category, right? Right. Straight men and queer women all all want Jonathan. The playing field is leveled. Exactly. Right. Okay. So you mentioned a hunky moment. I did. I was like, I've gone through so many scenes. I don't mean to skip past no. anything you want to talk about. Uh, you mentioned a hunk and um, boy, do we get, this is, I think the sweatiest and most shirtless we've seen Riley in combination. Cause we've seen him shirtless and injured and we've seen him sweaty, but partially clothed. This is a, you know. I feel like this is an infographic that also needs to be made. Yeah. It's like the 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 Riley shirtless spectrum or whatever. I love that you're like, we've seen this. My seen this. my note is just oops. Oh, because nice. of shirtless shirtless men get an oops. I want to say I'll post this on social media pretty soon. But I was looking. Um, so as you and I are taping this, Joanna, um, tomorrow Jenny and I will be interviewing James Marsters. So oops. I was, yeah. So I was looking for a picture of James to post to announce the interview and I came upon a photo of Angel and Spike where they're like back to back and they're both wearing button down shirts and they're both oops like both of them back to back it's miraculous and I cannot wait to share it with all of you I like I can't uh, so I was watching Indiana Jones recently uh re-watching those movies where wherein Harrison Ford like really does like to take his shirt off, especially in the second <laughs> one. And like one of our drinking game rules is like drink for Indiana Jones nip slip. Like basically. <laughs> so anyway, oops. Um yes, a big oops. Here's what I have in all caps in my notes. Yes. It's no shirtless Tai Chi. Uh <laughs> so like maybe the reason that Riley has been shy about taking his shirt off in this context is he mm. knows that we will all have be comparing this, them playing indoor foam basketball to like the sexy sexy shirtless tai chi of angel and buffy fame so um, yeah sorry bud he's seen some of like buffy's scrapbooking of uh angel's pack oh he's watched season two and three i'm sure <laughs> i don't know if he watched season one but um <laughs> you know he says i'm no jonathan but i'm doing okay which is a great line um but and all the lines like all the little throwaways yes. like Jonathan lines are so great. Jane. Just like really integrated in there. But like, you know, he's also no angel, but he's doing okay. Anyway. And this is one of the first well, I mean, we have them collaging, but this the the basketball photo is one of the first cues of like, oh, they've changed out existing things for other things. Like that, like Riley's balls poster is gone and in its place is a Jonathan photo. And like, right. you know, that yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, which later, you know, when the spell is undone, we see that beautiful laser beam go through Sunnydale <laughs> and erase it all. But. I forgot about the, how could I forget about the ball poster? Oh. And then Buffy and Willow have like the chocolate poster, right? Yep. It's like the same yeah. poster, the but same. it's like for girls and boys. Right. They bought it the same dorm poster sale. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Most of us work really hard to manage our time well enough to cook healthy meals, but life gets overwhelming. There are errands to run, vampires to slay, extraterrestrial beings to investigate. Luckily, there's Factor. Factor. 
Factor has delicious, ready-to-eat meals. They are fresh. They are never frozen. They are chef-crafted and dietitian approved And here's the best part. They're ready to go in just two minutes. Absolutely no cooking required. Having a selection of these meals in our fridge over the past few weeks has been a game changer. My wife and I are eating healthier and ordering takeout less, and this is not just about dinner. Factor offers over 35 different meal options to choose from each week with more than 60 add-ons. So there's breakfast, there's midday bites, and more. I have to admit I was hesitant at first. I've never had a ready-to-eat meal that made me feel good, and I have been astounded at how delicious each meal and snack from Factor has tasted. The difference is entirely because they're not frozen. They taste as fresh as if you'd made them yourself. They're also flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week, and you can pause or reschedule your deliveries any time. Head to factormeals.com slash buffering50 and use code buffering50 to get 50% off. That's code buffering 50 at factormeals.com slash buffering50 to get 50% off. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. <laughs> okay, so something that I wrote um, about Riley is I know that like I, I already know that he's still with the initiative, but for some reason this episode, I was like, wait, he's still with the initiative. Like, I don't understand how that's a thing. Like, I, I know that he had his whole, like, I'm a soldier. I'm not a soldier. If I'm not a soldier, what am I? And Buffy was like, you're a man, a good man or whatever. But I don't understand what's happening now with the, like, they're trying to get Adam back, but have we all forgotten that they created Adam and it was like not a cool thing? 
You know what I mean? Am I missing a piece? Well, so she, so she says this thing about like you're no longer eating like the food. Yeah, right? you're no, no longer taking the super soldier serum. Yeah, um, <laughs> and so I I think and and honestly, you know, the back half of season four is not the one I'm most expert in because I really don't care about Adam. But no, um, does. yeah, really. But I I would guess that like you know Riley should be in the initiative to try to get Adam back. To be like a guy on the inside to like right. you know, know what they're doing sort it's of thing. It's just confusing because it seems like what we learned with Maggie Walsh was that Maggie was creating this thing and it would, didn't seem to have like good intentionality behind it. I right, but isn't it sort of like the idea is that, oh, Maggie represented like the splinter worst of the initiative and now with her not like there. We can get the – We can be – Back on track know, or whatever. good guy commando right. stuff, you know. Get that evil woman out of here. Yeah. Get it back to the man. Bad intention. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so – and the other big part of this scene is that Buffy we're seeing is weirded out by Riley because Riley has just slept with Faith in the body swap episode, Joanna, we had a big conversation. We got our our listenership was very torn up about if body swap uh, was represent representative of non consensual uh, anything, and I got all bent out of shape about it. I felt like body swap. So I would love you. You're shaking your head and nodding oh. your head and what have you. Um, I wanted to be able to view the body swap as something that was outside of the conversation on consent, consent? because I felt like. Not in the Riley Faith sex. Oh. We put that in a separate bin. Okay. That, I think, is a major consent issue. Okay. Great. 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 Um, oh, just being in someone else's body. Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Because I, I thought just, you were talking about the other thing, and I was like, what's happening, Kristen? Yeah, Are we you're swapping like, bodies? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. I would say I would definitely call it a violation. Um, the, the body swap itself. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a violation. But it's like the character of Faith is evil and this is a sci-fi fantasy show. I I guess I would hesitate to put it in the conversation with consent because there is like a good example in that episode of yes. like talking about consent and that sort of stuff. So I wouldn't want to like, I don't know, muddy it with this other thing, which I would, yes, call a violation and call like a, you know, evil bad thing to do and all this sort of stuff like that. But like I think to talk about – consent if you want to which of course i do want to like why not actually drill down on this other yes this of it this scene and i think this is i mean not this scene because we're not in this episode yeah. but this thing that they're still unpacking yeah is really fucked up and like i think it's fucked up obviously we get more of the buffy angle but it's like you know in this it's That's more like super fucked up what happened to riley yeah we're not riley fans but we can like be like we need to process like his trauma. Totally. Right? Yeah. Willow has such like an interesting and like borderline gross like description of like what happens, right? When she was like when Faith's insides were in Buffy's yes. outsides and he was inside, you're like, Willow, what are you? Willow. <laughs> take a take a glass, take a sip of water. Uh -huh. Where are you? Where are you going? Yeah. Um, but right. And that's something that we see like unfold throughout the episode. It's weird how it resolves to me. Like it seems like there should have been a conversation and Buffy sort of shuts down that and is like, actually, no, now that I'm in your arms this time, I trust you and I trust that you're here for it. And it just I don't know. I was like, but you were in his arms just yesterday. Is it really just the advice that Jonathan gave you? It just felt like it was a little glossed over uh, in terms of like how they came out of that. Well, especially, spoiler alert, 
for the episode that I hate that comes after this. So, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Jenny and uh, Rishi K. Shearway are, oh. are tackling that episode. So that's going to be a grand old time. That's going to be fun. Rishi's been very frustrated with us. He's like, really, another Riley episode? Could you fucking get me on any episode that's not about Riley? That's but so funny. I like to make hey, sure. Hey, Joanna, I'm- do you want to talk about... Why the wild things are? No, I yeah. do not. I want to talk about Jonathan. <laughs> um, speaking of which, okay, so they're at my favorite Buffy location, which is the Espresso Pump. Yes. The, the one coffee shop in all of the one Starbucks town that is Sunnydale. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Their branding is amazing, by the way. Like, I didn't notice the Espresso Pump, like, how hard they had gone on being, like, a gas station. Like, the employees are wearing, like, gas station uniforms. And now like, I kind of want an Espresso Pump gas station meet? shirt. Well, right? you know, I might be able to make that happen. Oh, dreams do come true. Um... <laughs> No, so so Jonathan's actually giving Buffy like good advice. She's making his coffee for him though. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, it's just tinged with she's like sugaring his coffee for him. We can play it again, Joanna. We it's, can play it again. <laughs> do it. The patriarchy. It's a giant coffee mug, which is very 90s friends. Yeah. Um, delightful, even though we're in the aughts. Um, but yeah, and then we get uh, Karen with K shows up. Yes. Yeah, also, just before we get to oh, Karen yeah. with a K, it is a giant coffee mug, but I would like to note that these are teenagers and these are people in college. She puts an entire canister of sugar in that coffee. Like this is mm. There's so much. Watch how much sugar she puts in. So gross. Okay, so Karen with a K. Karen with a K shows up. She shows up with his book, which is called O, Jonathan. The perfect title. It's beautiful. The perfect title. Oh, the only thing better is if they were to reference a 1999 film and on the marquee later we see being Jonathan Levinson. <laughs> <laughs> being John Malkovich came out in 99. I checked. Wow. Yeah. Shit, that would have been good. Yeah. Oh, we needed you in the right. No, no, it, it happened. Wait, it does? Yeah, the very end, that laser that you talk about going yes. through the town, it changes the marquee from being Jonathan Levinson. Oh my God, to I like, didn't even notice. I yeah. didn't see it. Oh, so to like, thank yeah. God they did get they it. They did it. Great. Phew. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, and so then, and then we get Jonathan at the initiative, um, which is mostly there for like a height the joke. The height, yes. It's yeah. all height all the time. It's a height joke. Uh, yeah. And they even go, there's a line right after we see the height, like they, they brought, finally brought in the big guns. <laughs> for Jonathan. Uh, just the way it's all and like the way that Danny is just like Danny Strong is such a sport just like walks up and like exaggerates the like head tilt up sort of totally. thing to just like go for it. Um, And then I like I don't want to spoil anything but like honestly who cares about Adam but like this is like actually an important conversation about right, Adam that's the, like nestled in this episode. Yeah. The, ur- the uranium. Yeah. Power core. Power core. Adam yeah. doesn't eat food. Yeah. Adam. I mean, it's like actually quite insightful. Like that's the thing is like Jonathan is actually quite helpful. Yeah. He reveals this role. Totally. You know? Totally. So, yeah. It's yeah. So keep that in the back of your minds, listeners. Uh, Adam doesn't need to. What's sad for me is that I really liked picturing Adam plugging himself into the wall to charge, you know? Yeah. It doesn't sound like he actually Do you does think if that. Adam doesn't eat, he doesn't poop? Adam doesn't poop, right? Adam definitely doesn't poop. Yeah. Although if Adam did poop, he would like be super down with like exploring that part about himself as well, you know. Good time. He why? I just <laughs> that's all I have to say about Adam. Sorry. Yeah, it's not great. <sighs> um so and- Karen with a K. Yeah, Karen with a K. She's in the woods. Well, not the woods, but she's like in the outer ring of Jonathan's mansion. Property stalking him. Stalking him in the rain. Yeah. 
And then the monster, the long-armed monster comes. That's really like the biggest feature of the monster that I... Lumpy, I think, is a description yes, of him later. Yes. Yeah. She's, Karen says that he's lumpy. I think Tara calls him lumpy. Oh, it's Tara. That's In right. a daze. She's just like, uh, lumpy. <laughs> Sarah. Sarah. I can't wait till we get to her. Um, but yeah, so Karen with a K gets attacked. And meanwhile, the bronze. I also looked up, you know what else I looked up? Mm. Not just the band. When, not just oh no, no. I mean I did, but not just when <laughs> being John Malkovich came out related did to Did you this. look up Jonathan.com? No. I did. Is I, it is it great? It's a I hold on, let me oh, Okay. I did look up Jonathan.com. It is a real thing. It's the website of Jonathan Costello, a second year PhD student in computer science at the University of California, Davis. In his spare time, he plays the piano and 2v2 Rocket League. Jonathan also has a Twitch TV channel, which he uses about as often as he writes blog posts. Jonathan.com. I mean, it's literally what Jonathan.com would be. Jonathan.com. First of all, props to Jonathan from UC Davis, my alma mater, for uh, getting that URL. URL. Locking it down. Seriously. And then not using it, but like not selling it also. Uh, good job. No, so I looked up, because uh, there's a swing band playing, right? Yes, I, I wrote down what they're called somewhere. So I looked up. Uh, when the Gab Khaki commercial came out. <gasps> um, because, like, you know, your, wow. young, your younger listeners not, like, being drenched in the 90s the way that we were totally. would be like, why is there a swing band performing here? And on the totally. one hand, it's so that we can see, like, Danny Strong in this amazing white tux. Yeah. But on the other hand, um, the swing movement was, like, such wow. a thing in the late 90s, early aughts. I completely forgot about that Gap commercial. It was such a thing. So when was it? Uh, 98. 98. Yeah. Yeah, so, God. Yeah. It's also like not they might be giants. Uh, mighty mighty boss tones, right? We're yeah, like the doing the Scott, like it's cherry poppin' daddies. Cherry poppin' daddies. Yeah. Oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> God, I, it's the first time I've heard the title of that band as a person who has learned some things about yep. what things mean. Um, Fuck. This band's called the Royal Crown Review, right? Yes, the yeah. Royal Crown Review. I don't. I must have written that somewhere else not here but they are called the royal crown review here's, here's why i wrote in all caps it really bothers me when voice dubs for people don't sound like the people yeah i actually thought this person sound at, to the point where i wrote down is danny actually singing in all caps and he's not right he's not. It's, it's something i wrote a note i read the actor well the person who did the vocals is brad kane who played tucker wells in the prom yes so it's tucker's singing it's but nuts. He, it's crazy it's nuts. And he did like he did a really good job. I don't know, intentionally or not, voice matching Danny Strong. Yeah. I think he sounds a lot like him. You know what's funny is that I read the thing about the, the that oh, this is the voice of the guy with the prom, but then I watched it and was like, Oh, that must have been about something else. I truly still thought yeah. it was Danny Strong. It sounds so that much was like him. Singing, yeah. So. Here's my favorite thing about Danny uh, Strong outside of and I don't think we talked about this. I know we talked about because I was on for earshot. So yeah. I know we talked about Jonathan before. But, like, I don't think I was able to talk about it in the context of Superstar, which is that, like, Danny Strong himself has had, like, kind of a Superstar career, right? Oh, my God. He, like, manifested it. Yeah. Because he's, like, you know, he he co-created Empire. Like, he has, like – I so he's got an Emmy for sure because he did some of those, like, political HBO movies. He screen wrote them. He co-created Empire. Um, I think he's got a Golden Globe as well. He was like, yeah, he. I think he wrote Lee Daniels the butler. Like, you know, like yeah. Danny Strong, like, 
going strong. You know what I mean? Showing up on Mad Men. But like that's his that's what he does in his spare time is like guest star on things. And then he's just got this whole screenwriting career that like, you know, love his work or not. Like, well, and I actually really love the stuff that he did for HBO. Like this is an amazing thing. Yeah. But do you think that he took the spell from the show? Absolutely. There is a monster it. out there <laughs> rampaging lumpily <laughs> because Danny Strong is winning awards. Anyway, that's one of my, that's a, that's a meta thing that I love yeah, about Superstar. Yeah, that's good yeah. and true. Uh, so at the bronze, the things that I would like to talk about is that Anya, at first it's played like Anya is moaning. Uh, I mean, that Anya has said John or Jonathan's name, but then like as the scene progresses, it's like, oh, it's not just Anya who wants to have sex with oh, Jonathan. Xander's into it. Yeah. And like Nick Brendan plays this fucking amazingly. This is a good Xander episode. It really is. Yeah. It is truly a good Xander episode. I'm here for Xander having crushes on all the dudes. Absolutely. All the time. And just like all of his quips are good. I think it's because like, I mean, you know, I'm I come and go on Xander, but like mm-hmm. uh maybe it's because like all the beta male energy is sucked up by Jonathan yeah. or something like that, that he's just free to like quip. And totally. It's fun. So, and he, yeah. he's like, I mean, the moment that he has later on where he like reads the Latin from the book. And yeah. Sets it on fire, it's just like good and yeah. funny and real good. Yes. This is, of course, the scene where Buffy somehow just gets over everything that's happened. Swing and music solves <laughs> all problems. It could also be, Jenny's not here with us, so I will say it could also be the size of Mark Lucas's palms on Sarah Michelle Gellar's body, which seems to have a magical effect as Or well. it could be Danny Strong's fingers on this trumpet, because <laughs> another fun fact I learned Ooh. is that while he did not sing the vocals, he was fingering that trumpet correctly what? because someone taught him. He, like, learned how to... Make sure he's not just like going like this, which is what I mean. You can't hear listeners. You can't see me just like randomly <laughs> air trumpeting. So that's what is I, air trumpeting right now. <laughs> but that's what I would do if I were like, yes. I'd be like, oh, okay, cool, Joss. I'm just gonna be going like this, you know. <laughs> Whereas Danny Strong like learned the proper positioning. Uh, so it's like foreshadowing for the rest of his career. Absolutely, he's fucking in. Following <laughs> through. He's in. Danny's <laughs> in it. And then of course Karen stops the whole show. Well, I mean, really, Jonathan stops the show. For Karen, because she's come in wounded. He seems to genuinely care. Yeah. I know. That's the thing about this. It's complicated. It's complicated. There's a lot of daddy stuff that I don't like, but there is also like, he does genuinely get off the stage, take Karen back. Not because he wants to sleep with Karen, because he really cares what's going on with Karen. Um, Uh, Shout out to Danny Danny Strong's lie reading of, oh, this is a clue. (laughs) (laughs) I rewatched it three times. I thought it was so funny. Oh, oh, this is a clue. I anyway. just, um, just before taping this episode with you, Joanna, I was um, talking with Mercedes McNabb, mm-hmm. who told me that she could not say Blondie Bear the way that Joss wanted her to say Blondie Bear, like that that she said it so many times before she said it the way he wanted it to, to be heard. And so now thinking about this, when you say like, oh, that line reading was blah, 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 blah. I'm like, wow, I wonder how many things Joss was like, this needs to be said in this particular way so that it hits. I'm not necessarily this thing. But I didn't. It didn't occur to me before having that conversation with her that, like, wow, as a director, you might be super invested in like the particular sound of a line. If I ever meet Danny Strong, which I haven't, but I'm gonna be like, how many times did Joss Whedon make you say, "Oh, this is a clip"? <laughs> um, I hope. I hope it was many. No, I hope it wasn't just for uh, poor Danny's sake. Dan- you know, 
Danny nailed it in one. Yeah, that's true. That's no true. disrespect to Mercedes. Both Danny, <laughs> but like Danny got it in one. <laughs> one take, one take strong. That's what they call him. I'm, um, I'm glad that you brought up clues, uh, yeah. Joanna, because we are now at the mansion, and um, not only is Jonathan talking about clues, but Riley is standing in the fucking background with a notebook, jotting things down in like it's not a trench coat, but it might as well be a trench coat. And so I've asked Jenny to create this for all of us. You're welcome. You didn't know you needed it, but you did. He's just like really taking one out of Angel's book on this detective work. Shirtless basketball. Yeah. Detecting. (laughs) Buffy's got a type. I mean, you like, you think that Jonathan's the one who's kind of doing an Angel impression with his like, I think he has faint eyeliner a little (gasps) bit in this episode. He's got the leather duster. Like, you know, anyway. Um, <laughs> one thing I want to say about w- something that I love about this episode is that Buffy is slotted into this nervous, uncertain, yeah. unconfident role, yeah. which is so hard and interesting for us to watch, I think. Um, but what I love about this episode is like Buffy figures out what's going on by like believing in herself. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. not like eventually and not like. Yeah, the, the the mark on the beast or whatever is a clue and like it is, you know, Jonathan's actually quite fishy around it and mm-hmm. that that but like her radar pings earlier, like when they fight the nest of vampires and she's yes. like, I don't think that was my best. Right. I think I'm actually better than this, you know? And I like that about her because like it's if you want to talk about this in terms of like the gentle patriarchy daddying that Jonathan does, not so gentle, whatever, <laughs> that like her journey is pushing back against that and knowing her worth is um is great yeah absolutely and something that's on the funnier side of this too or like that i enjoy is that not only is she uh sort of like weak weaker and she's noticing that like in strength and fighting but she's also not able to quip Oh, like, yeah. oh my god, I love that. Right? She's like, oh, you big blonde guy. Because we didn't really like dig into this Jonathan Spike interaction, but it's pretty good. Yes, Spike, I, I want to talk about it. Spike doesn't give like a fuck about Buffy and calls her like Betty or whatever. Yeah. I think it's pretty good. And then Jonathan, Jonathan has a great quip. He's like, he refers to like turning him into like instant soup mix. Yes. Which is the best description of like the ashy vampire stuff that happens. Like, it's so good. Yeah, Buff can't quip. Buff can't, right? It's like with pa- with yeah. power comes quipping, yeah, and yeah. when you lose that, you lose your joke. You got it all. Yeah. Uh, since we're talking about Spike, can we just like talk about this scene, like in the cemetery with Spike and Buffy, where basically. It's, you know, Jonathan thinks he can't get the information out of Spike. And Buffy, again, like sort of realizing her power, is able to get it out of Spike. But the last time we saw Spike and Buffy interact, it wasn't Buffy. It was Faith. Oh. Uh, And uh, Joanna, I don't know if you remember the scene in the bronze with Buffy and Spike slash Faith and Spike. But it's really, really sexual, and she says things like, I will ride you at a gallop. You know the one. We all know it deep down. Uh, And so this is really the first time that we've seen – and Spike doesn't know. He's like – he doesn't know at this point. He doesn't know, I think, until like later in the series that that was Faith. Uh, And this is a really sexual moment between the two of them in the cemetery. He's like touching her so much. And she's not moving. I know, guys. I – (laughs) <laughs> just 
Like complicated spike feelings. Because like Jonathan's right when he's like, you're being creepy. Stop touching her and like shoves him away. I'm like, yeah, that's right. Don't do that. I don't enjoy watching it at all. But I'm also like, oh, like if you, so... if you're following the arc, I mean, it, it is, but is it? Because the last time that, that he has seen Buffy, she had him up against a fucking wall and was literally delivering an erotic novel oh. to his face. Very good. And I uh, think he's been thinking about it ever since. But it's com- but it's this episode is complicated in in that way that, that we talked about at the beginning where it's like it's continuity and it's not because like at yeah. the beginning he calls her Betty because like he, she's not like – she's the slayer but she's not like the slayer. True. Jonathan is like the leader. And so like Ooh, in the first interaction true. he doesn't really like care about her. And then the second one, you're right, he's like touching all over her. And- touching all over her. And like Jonathan has to break it up. Yeah, it's true. So – Interesting. 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 Where even are we? The twins? That's the note that I... Yep. Oh, yeah. Adam knows it's a lie. That's probably a thing. We get an Adam C and I took a nap. Um, the end. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> um, and then Jonathan is staring and... Jonathan's well, taking a page out of Angel's book with this fire. But uh, Yes. But Adam... <laughs> there's no Sartre, but you know, like whatever. <laughs> but Adam does say something that's you know, he's like, these kinds of magics are corrosive and they're chaotic and it'll just take care of itself, basically. Right. I'm not, I don't need to write this wrong. It's going to fix itself. Right. And I like the chaos. So let's just sit back and watch. Yeah. But it's true. This happens all the time. Like whenever we see these alternate dimensions, sort of like Anya wish episodes or whatever, like there are consequences and things tend to, yeah. I mean, I mean, Xander says as much what, um, when like Riley's asking them about spells later and, you know, he's like, oh, but it comes with a catch or whatever. And and Xander's like, yeah, they tend they, to. They tend to do yeah, that. Yeah. They tend to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Which is also like, again, good Xander episode. Great Xander line. Just yeah. like there being like, man, I've been here four seasons now. I've seen this episode before in a different form. <laughs> so the, the monster comes and it attacks Tara. And this is maybe where we should talk about Tara because I haven't talked about my Tara thoughts. Yes. Um. So before the monster attacks Tara, I just want to make – there's at least one thing I want to say – which is that Willow and Tara are walking together with Buffy and nobody has said anything. It's like, this is the episode where it's like couples and it's like, they're always there now as a couple, but it's not acknowledged yet. And Willow says to Tara or no, Tara says to Willow, Willow, I'll see you tomorrow. And there's this awkward pause and like Buffy's there. And then she's like, okay. And then they leave. So just like awkward sexual tension is a building for these two. Now we can get to the monster. Can't I can't let a moment go by, Joanna. Where Why I would don't you just bathe in the awkwardness of two queer women wanting so badly to just make out and not being able to do it? <laughs> I mean, whatever. We we know they pretty much slept together last episode with that really intense sweaty spell, but still, still, there's some smooches to be done. There's some smooches. Uh, Shout out to Tara for like we, we've seen this scene in a million Buffy episodes where like the you know, defenseless young woman gets attacked by the monster or whatever, but Tara can, like, take care of herself. She does, like, a little, like, obscurum sort of spell. Oh, my God, where she shoots, like, yeah. smoke out smoke. of her hands. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, like, hides in the janitor's closet all night. Yeah. Okay, Tara. Like, you know what? You defended yourself. She did. She has – Um, I think we may have mentioned it in a previous episode. Somebody wrote us an email a while back, and they were like, when you get to Tara, will you just call out as, sh- as we begin to see the difficulty she has opening doors. Uh, and so this is one of those episodes where we see it. And I, we, and I think we're going to see it more. Oh, my God. Tara can't sh- wait. struggles with doors. Just uh, like the aliens in the movie Signs. Oh, my God. <laughs> Tara does not know how to open doors. <laughs> 
<laughs> she can shoot smoke out of her hands, but open a that door. so funny. Not always. And, you know, what happens to Tara with this monster, I think, is really like a character development thing for Tara. Again, like sort of we're in this weird universe, but we're still getting truths about the yeah. characters. Because... None of the Scoobies that we have had to date would have hidden in a, in a closet overnight because they were so terrified and would be in bed. Like, Tara is really vulnerable in which she's really powerful in a lot of ways, but she's really vulnerable in ways that I don't think we see from any of the other Scoobies yet. Mm -hmm. um, and in ways that I think that as humans we can identify with. Well, like, when they were new, you know, like, right. Willow and Cordelia were basically in a janitor's closet all night, right? They sure were, Joanna. Thanks <laughs> so for bringing like, that up. So, you know, it's just, she's new to it. But yeah, you're yeah. right. She's very vulnerable. And Watching we, Willow be concerned for her. Yeah. And all that is, is interesting. Tara is a really complicated thing. Like, I know that Tara is a character that I struggle with because I really like the what... Tara and Willow means right of course for the culture for the show I love that like they decided to do this in a time when it wasn't like generally accepted to do this yeah it matters it means something Tara as a character on her own is harder for me to like be compelled by yeah I don't think you're alone in that yeah. I think that like there are those two sides for a lot of people where yeah. it's like Tara as a character, not sure how I feel, but also this is a really great storyline. I I really like Tara, but I didn't at first. Um, I, I was more in that camp of like, I like you for what, for the relationship you're giving me and like what yeah. have you, but I don't know how I feel about you. But I have I think because our list, because so many of our listeners have like in, just been so endeared to Tara that like this viewing for me, I'm like seeing through my own, my eyes, but also their eyes. And so I have like a very, very big soft spot for her. Yeah. I will say that every time I watch again, I like Tara more. Yeah. Like I really didn't like her at first mm -hmm. and like that's changed a lot. I also happen to really like Amber Benson, who plays her, yeah. just as like a human. So like that, that helps, you know, warm me up to, to Tara. But totally. uh, but but who I really love always and everything and everything is Anya. Yeah. And Anya has this great scene where like Buffy goes because she wants to like look through some of Xander's stuff, is what she says. But really, she wants to like ask Anya. Um, you know, demon questions. Right. Vengeance demon questions. Right. Um, we had a lot of good set dressing in this because there's like so much Jonathan shit everywhere. Oh my God, trading cards. Trading cards, Dark Horse comics, which by the way, Jane Espenson has written a Jonathan Dark Horse comic that is a, a prequel to this episode. Wow. So get, it's like, like how Jonathan got this, like did the spell? I haven't read it. I just like, this is just trivia. I know cool. that there's a, there's a Jonathan issue that Jane wrote for Amazing. Dark Horse that exists. But um, Dark Horse is, of course, the company that, like, puts forth all the Buffy stuff or did. They don't anymore, right? Mm, I don't know. The new stuff is boom. Is boom. I, yeah. yeah. I think Dark Horse had it for a while. Anyway. Right. Um, but Anya, like, Anya's clear, I don't want you here stuff is so funny. It's so funny, especially countered with her trying to read from the script of being a human. Yeah. Uh, right, come on in. It will be fine or like whatever she says. She's like, so can you go now or what? Yes, yeah. yes. Great. Um, right. She also says, this is where we get the shrimp. You've, you've already made a reference to it, Joanna, but like she's off on her shrimp metaphor. Metaphor? No. What do you call it when you're giving an example it's of like something? like an analogy. Analogy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she's on her shrimp analogy. You could have a world with all shrimp. You could have a world with no shrimp. You could have a world where you make somebody fall in love with President McKinley, which I thought was really 
an odd thing. And I looked it up because I was like, what is this a reference to? President McKinley was assassinated, but I couldn't find anything saying that his uh, assassinator well, assassin was <laughs> assassinator. Uh -huh. I think I like it better. Uh, was like in love with him or whatever. So I don't know where that line came from or if anyone knows more than I do. But That just sounds like to me, and I could be wrong, but it sounds to me like I'm trying to establish that Anya has lived a long time. Right, right. She's got McKinley jokes. <laughs> Whatever that means, you know. Um, yeah, but so then we go back to Giles' house, and this is where we get all this undermining of Buffy as a leader. Right. We get more shrimp jokes. Oh, my God. We Pawns and prawns. Pawns and prawns. It's my, I think it's my favorite joke of the whole episode. It's very It good. makes me like guttural laugh every time. It's the delivery too. Like it's a hilarious, ridiculous line, but fucking Emma Caulfield's- Nails it. Oh my God. Nails I love it. her. I think that Jonathan may be doing something so that he's manipulating the world and we're all like his pawns or prawns. Stop with the shrimp. I am trying to do something here. It's also where we learn about the Matrix that yep. Jonathan has starred in the Matrix, which just really roots you right into the time period. And this, I mean, this is this is another like this is what I think of the writing style of this episode. This is why I think that McKinley thing might be a throwaway because we find out like he killed the master and the mayor. Okay, yes. these are things we know, and he coached the women's U.S. soccer team to like <laughs> you know like we all watched him do that. Like that's right. that's just I just think it's like a random thing thrown in there or whatever. Giles, when Giles tells her she's out of her depth, it's one of the most painful things I've ever seen. Because it, it feels like it's we've I don't know that we've ever seen Giles speak like this. Well, or he's tut tutted her before. You but know like what I mean? That, it feels that bad. bad. Yeah, it feels very bad. And it underlines like the real insidious sh like stuff that Jonathan is accomplishing by by putting Buffy below him yeah. in this universe and so then making all these people around her. It's like funny when Anya says it, but it like really hurts when Giles says it. Yeah, you know 100%. I mean? And it also like, you know, at the beginning of this episode, we were talking about how like, well, it's not like, it is patriarchal, but it's also like kind of, you know, there's not a lot of like sexualized stuff, so that's good. But it does beg the question of like, why, you know, why couldn't Jonathan have had a world where he was respected and loved, but also... Uh, there was a woman that was more powerful than him. A, a, a question is as old as time. Joanna. I think I, I just realized that I'm on a podcast, so I can't just like silently shake my head at you. Um, <laughs> no, I don't know. I think our listenership knew exactly yeah. what you were doing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know uh, you already made reference to the swimsuit calendar, but I got to like shout uh, out yeah. Tony Stewart Head's um, delivery of like, no, yes. <laughs> Very good line delivery. We knew we're all by for we all are by for Giles, and we know that <laughs> Giles is also super by, uh -huh. even in this universe. Yeah. So then Jonathan and Buffy are going to go after the monster. We get that spike scene that you reference. Also, I want to say Riley comes to Buffy's defense. Maybe one of my favorite Riley moments of all time. Mine too, and that's why I feel you know I rag on Riley a lot. Yeah. So I do try to say the moments when I appreciate him, and this is good, especially the the line is written really brilliant. I think where he's like, this sounds absolutely unbelievable to me. Yeah. But also, I'm getting to know this person and I trust that she knows what's up. Yeah. So I'm going to help her out. Yeah. Which, like, fuck yeah, Riley. Put a couple points in there. Only your Riley really believes in her. I wrote an all question mark, all caps. <laughs> um, but that's, I mean, that's the thing is like, let's give, let's give Riley his full credit and say, like, as Buffy is, the truth keeps sort of struggling to come to the surface with Buffy. 
um, then that is like a fundamental truth for Riley that that is counter to the narrative that Jonathan's created. Right. But it's coming to the surface because it's the core belief yeah. that he has in her. It's interesting too. This is like a total tangent or like side thing. Mm. But usually the way we're taught um, about universes is that if you change one thing in the universe – everything else will change. Yeah. So this is like the exception to that rule because really nothing has changed except that Jonathan is infiltrated into every memory, into everything. But like yeah. no, most of the relationships are the same. Right. Like yeah, everybody still knows each other the way they knew each other right. in the other universe. It's so. not like – you know, the wish or whatever. Right, so, yeah. exactly. We get the great Xander don't speak a lot in front of the books line. Oh my God, I love it. As a matter of fact, I'm going to play it. You can't just go Librum in Cindere and expect... Xander <laughs> don't speak Latin in front of the books. I just... It's good. Actually, when I heard this line, Joanna, I'm sure you remember being on some episode with me where you were like, we used to play this game about notable lines in Buffy. And I thought of you in yep, this one. It's true. I thought, I thought this this might be one. I'm still trying to play the game. It's one. <laughs> You're always a winner when you play that game. You can only be a winner. Um, yeah. So we're cutting back and forth between like the Scoobs figuring stuff out. Anya's got a great line where, where like Willow's like, Buffy was right. Anya's like, doesn't sound correct, does it? <laughs> Love you, Anya. Um, we cut to like Jonathan and Buffy like fighting over this cavern thing and the monsters there and whatever. And like, I really do love this scene because it's like, you know, Jonathan won't want to let, but you know, if you hurt the monster, Jonathan loses his powers and he won't want that. So obviously, like, he'll want to stop Buffy. Right. But that's not what he does. Right. He wants to stop this monster because it was not his intention when he, like, put this spell together. The, like, part where you, like, think he's going to push her into the cavern then he doesn't, he, like, holds her back or whatever is fine and cheesy. But the part where I get kind of emotional is, like, she's like, I don't know how to do this. And he's like... Oh, you do. You did. You'll remember. Like, I it's, know. Oh, my God. I just got the chills when you said the right? line to me. It's like really – that's why this episode is so complicated. Right. You know what I mean? Because it's very endearing and lovely and supportive, especially just coming off that scene where like no one was supporting her. Yeah. And I think it's partially – it's like to give Jonathan maybe more credit than he deserves. It's him realizing like, you know, like – the other monstrous thing that he's done to Buffy, he, she has to underline it a bit more for him when the episode ends. But, like, you know, he took her support network from her. Right, right. And, and he's it, giving and it back to her. Yes, in that patronizing way that he's sort of done, but no. I don't know. This this, yeah, this moment feels doesn't – different. It does. It feels different and, and actually is – earlier I was like, I believe Jonathan when he says he didn't know about the monster. And, and I didn't even realize, but this is why, right? Like, this is why I believe him because you can see that, like, any other, like, villain or whatever yeah. would have been like, fucking see ya, keeping my power, thanks. Yeah. But it is, like, once he recognizes sort of the implications of what he's done and what it's done to Buffy and, like, all yeah. this stuff, like, he he's like, okay, I'll let it go. Yeah. Um. We're about to do a big shift. You mentioned this uh, at the top with Jonathan's hair going from up to down. I don't know what Kate's going to be talking about, but I've just realized we haven't even heard from Kate yet. So let's hear what Kate, if Kate has anything to say about the hair, the wardrobe, whatever. Kate, we've missed you. Hello. It's time for our friend Kate to give you the Buffy fashion update. Well, hello, hello, and welcome back to Jonathan Fashion Watch. What an episode. 
We get to see our main boy, Danny Strong, in so many good looks in this episode. Now, there is a point where he's talking to Buffy when they're sitting at the cafe, when, you know, uh, the girl, uh, Karen with a K, comes up to get her book signed, where he's wearing a suit that doesn't really fit. It's a little bit too big, but I'm willing to let that slide for so many other of his choice looks. Honestly, he's got so much style in every scene, but... Mm. The fact that we get a peek at that calendar, yum. It's hard to remember what anyone else is wearing in this episode. It's fine. I mean, Buffy's hair, it is Buffy. It's Buffy, right? Yeah, okay, sorry. Buffy's hair is looking, it's just so weird, like Buffy, kind of a name. Anyway, her hair does look amazing. Everyone's does. I actually did some research because I like to do that every once in a while on these fashion watches and found out that Danny Strong brought his own personal hairstylist to the set for this. And it's not surprising. He just brings so much to this show in every moment this season. It's like he's challenged himself to bring out performances that might not have even been in the script. He just brings, oh God, it, it's just amazing. It's amazing to watch a master at work and you know, it, this episode, Superstar in particular, really shows it off. It also shows off that white tuxedo, which I wish we got to see more of. I'm ready for a swing revival. I think it's time. If everyone's going to look as good as Jonathan does, oof, yeah, I'm ready. Okay, got to calm down. Until next time, I'll see you in line for the book signing. Ugh, do you think he's going to wear that sweater? Mm. That was our friend Kate. Okay, thank you so much, Kate Leth. A dream, a wonder, as always. A, a walking legend. Truly, truly. <laughs> a legend among us. Uh, so here we are uh, at what I've called the couple's picnic. Um, and I think that's because I'm just getting increasingly excited about Willow and Tara being like positioned as a couple with the couples. Mm -hmm. um, Xander has a line that's really sad, I thought. I mean, and also Xander's looking pretty good at this at this picnic uh -huh. scene. I was like, oh, Xander, uh -huh. I have I have tingly feelings. Um, but he says like, you know, when Jonathan's reality was sort of here, I felt like respected and I felt like this tingly feeling and now I just feel empty again. And it's like, it's like you, he, there's no focus put on the line at all. But I was just like, oh God, like, this is kind of an insight into we haven't really like looked too much at, at Xander because the show hasn't yet yeah. done done its deeper dive. But like, you know, Xander's like living in his parents' basement. He's not going to college. We've talked about it a little bit, but yeah. we've sort of forgotten it in all the hubbub of season four. Yeah. But this tiny little line just reminded me like, oh, yeah, this this guy like he ha he loves Anya and they have a good thing going. But like he really doesn't know what the fuck he's doing and yeah. he's lost Xander's towny life. And what's going on with it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, a good point. Also, Riley immediately counters with like, "I just uh, felt really too tall." Yeah, <laughs> which is how I feel all the time, personally. Um, and then, as Buffy walks away to go talk to Jonathan with his like bad stripes and bad hair, I think it's on you who says like, "Well, then, who really did star in the Matrix?" <laughs> like they haven't they remembered haven't. Keanu yet. <laughs> They're still what? getting their memories back about Keanu. One so. of the last memories to restore, yeah. it turns out, is that's, Keanu That's Reeves. just like Keanu, yeah. I gotta say. Um, <laughs> and then they have this great conversation about, like, yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes it feels a little, like, episode of the wiki, like, you know, whatever, when, when they have this, like, big tied up with a bow conversation at the end of an episode. But, like, just Jonathan talking about, like, 
being up in the bell tower, that 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 ability, as I said, because the Jonathan stuff is plotted the way it is, the ability to call back to an episode yeah. last season that probably no one has forgotten because there was so much conversation around totally. it. It's not like you need to be reminded that right. Jonathan was like up in the bell tower sort of thing. Um, and then he's like, he's like, I genuinely didn't know about the monster. Like, I feel bad about it. And then Buffy, so great. She's like, that's not the part people are upset about. Or like, yeah, that's bad, but that's not the bad part. Yeah. The bad part is like, she said, people don't like being, feeling like puppets on your little like show or whatever. People don't like being gaslit. Like this is an episode about gaslighting and Buffy, there's an episode, I think it's in season six. That's an even, I don't think it's a spoiler to say, just vaguely in season six, there's an even stronger, let's gaslight Buffy Mm -hmm. and like try to tear apart everything she believes like is true about herself episode. It's a storyline I like. There's actually also a really good episode of The Magician season one. Um, I know you love The Magician. I do. Um, I do too. Uh, Where they like, they put Quentin in, like Quentin is in an insane asylum, but really it's just in his mind. Right. And it's like, you were never a magician. You know what I mean? And so like this, it's a trope. You know, I'm sure tvtropes.com has like a whole page on like, you know, the Gaslight episode or whatever, but like trying to undermine what people's core identity is or or their belief in themselves and yeah. like that. And that's the insidious, the real insidious, the real monster of like what Jonathan did in this episode. And the real the real beauty of those episodes when our heroes sort of emerge from that is like a stronger connection to their core belief of who they are. Mm-hmm. And, and the idea that like, you know, this is the thing is like Buffy's a Scooby sense or, or Spidey sense the whole time is like there's something wrong because this is not who I am, yeah. you know? And so needing to access that belief in yourself. I just think it's really, really interesting storytelling. Yeah. Well fucking said, Joanna. So. I told you you were so smart about yeah. TV. <laughs> uh, I want to say you mentioned like, well, it's kind of like a bow. You know, there is a little bit of an element of like bow at the end maybe. But I think what's interesting and something I didn't realize until you were talking about Earshot is that what's kind of cool is that Earshot could have been an episode that you looked at as like, oh, this kind of had a like a bow at the end, right? We have the scene between the two of them where Buffy's explaining to Jonathan like yada, yada, yada. But the fact that then we come back, yeah, it, you know, it's like, well, even if there is a quote bow at the end in this series, it's going to take it further. Like it's going to say like, yeah, but what did happen? What did happen to that kid? Did he just get better like that? No. Like, there's more progress. There's more, like, journeying that has to happen. And they don't do that a lot of the time. But they do, you know, like, um, I I think of Amy similarly. Like, Amy mm. is huge similarly, you know. Or, like, Harmony, you know, speaking of Mercedes. Like, yeah. you know, these are characters that you revisit. Characters that you didn't think the show is going to bother to explore in depth. That the show does decide to explore in depth. Yeah. And, um... I'm just saying I could have used more Clea Duvall uh, or something like that. No, Listen, like, couldn't oh. we all, yeah. Joanna? Couldn't we all? <laughs> uh, and then it ends with – okay, so I had a revelation in this final moment, which is like Buffy and Riley like talking and making out, mm-hmm. which is like – I don't know why it took me until this episode to figure it out, maybe because I was thinking about the episode that follows it, but like Buffy really fucked up my idea of like what you're supposed to do when you kiss someone. Because <laughs> Sarah Michelle Gellar does this like terrible. I mean, like I I'm trained to think it looks really sexy, but this like like dolphiny undulation thing when she like oh. kisses him, and I'm just sort of like it's a whole thing. It's like 
Kissing with your body is something that you do until not that you don't kiss with your body, listeners at right. home. Like or just sit very, very still. Right? Isn't that how <laughs> isn't that how you do isn't it? Isn't that how one kisses? <laughs> I'm just saying, like Sarah does this whole thing that I just thought was like what everyone does, and then later realized, no, I, I don't even know if I ever even tried it. I was just watching, and I was like. I was watching, I was like, this is, looks actually strange. But I remember watching many, 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 many episodes of Sarah doing this and it didn't strike me as strange. Do you know if she does this with other, with like with David or other humans uh, who she kisses? Or is it, because because I've noticed, I feel like anytime we see um, a scene between Buffy and Riley, it seems like Sarah Michelle Gellar is like really working hard on her end to bring it to a sexy place. That might be it. I didn't even think about that. That like she's because like, no, I actually think she does do it with David, uh-huh. but I never noticed it because I was like in it. Yeah. Because and here I'm like turning. Yeah. And here I'm like, I don't feel it. So I'm just like observing the blocking and I'm like, that's bizarre looking. In you my, know? in my mind. And perhaps someday we'll get to talk to Mark and find out what was happening in his mind in a polite, respectful way. But like, it it reads to me like Mark was worried about disrespecting Sarah in some way. Like it feels like he's so polite. It feels like he is the character of Riley as so an polite. actor. Yeah. That so he's being so polite. Yeah. Because he sits. You want to talk about somebody who's not moving when he kisses? He does not move. It's like his head turns and like he's kissing, but his like arms are still. His legs are still. I gotta watch this again. Yeah, you should because it's. I mean, you didn't get to talk about the sex scene where he takes a boot off of her foot sexily, but it's these two struggle. They struggle with the chemistry. And because we've seen Sarah be sexy with literally anything that she yeah. touches, yeah. Uh, I, I want to say that it's a Mark-Sarah thing. I think that's right. I didn't even think about that. Because, yeah. like, yeah, it's not an issue with James or Eliza. Right. Or David. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, so we've really let ourselves right to uh, Jenny Owen Young's here, who's going to talk to us all about the Sexual Attention Awards. Sexual Attention Awards. Hello and welcome to the Sexual Attention Awards for Season 4, Episode 17, Superstar. I am Jenny Owen Youngs. I don't know if you remember me from before, from all the other episodes of the podcast, but I am here today to tell you about some sexual tension. Here we go. Your nominees for this very special episode are Jonathan Levinson and Anya Jenkins. Oh my God. Have you ever seen anybody more ready to get down than Anya? Read Jonathan. Next up, we have Jonathan Levinson and Riley Finn. Riley's thing with Jonathan is much more subtle. I think he kind of like wants to be Jonathan. But sometimes you think you want to be someone, but then later you sort of figure out that you actually want to date them. So I'm putting in for that. Thirdly, we have Jonathan Levinson and Rupert Giles, because wow, he has the Jonathan Levinson swimsuit calendar in case you didn't notice. And that just speaks uh, volumes. And finally, for people who are unwilling to participate in this charade of Jonathan being uh, the object of everyone's desire, we have a three-way nomination of Willow, Tara, and the fine, fine, fine art of collaging. If you'd like to cast your vote in our beautiful STA democracy, please visit us at BufferingCast, where we'll be posting a poll for you, our devoted listeners, to cast 
your very, very special votes. So please give them to us. Tell us what you think. Let's do this. Thanks for joining me for the Sexual Attention Awards. Oh, thank you, Jenny. Thank you to the Democracy of uh, Sexual Tension Awards. Cannot wait to see who you vote for. Um, Joanna, have we done it? Did we do it? We did it. I think we did it. This was a joy. And I knew it would be as soon as we had the like, oh, I'm sorry, earshot. And you were like, fuck no, I love earshot. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm going to come out of this loving earshot, like, which is exactly what has happened. Um, but it's always a Have pleasure. I changed your mind about Superstar? Yeah. Or, oh my God, I said earshot like oh, eight okay. times. Yes. <laughs> yes, you have I didn't know your- if I also changed your mind about earshot. I'm like, maybe I'm just here to like alter Kristen's reality to my own. Oh my God. You know. No, you did. You changed my mind on Superstar, not earshot shot and um and I knew you would because it it, I mean I think almost any episode of this show like if you do a deeper dig but this one really seems to have a lot of chops and um I think it doesn't I think it will only grow in your listeners estimation the further along you get right right and that's the thing right and that's the thing that I don't even really truly carry um so I'll carry that with me as we move into further seasons you'll have to come back again and again and please you know you know how much i love talking to you i love being here everybody loves hearing from you just in case you have any new humans who have not heard you on our podcast or somehow have not heard you on one of the one other million podcasts that you do tell them where to find you right now you can hear me on three other podcasts you can hear me on little gold men which is a vanity fair's award season podcast which we do all year round uh Mm -hmm. you can hear me on vanity fair still watching podcast right now we are watching true detectives soon we were watching game of thrones and speaking (gasps) of which you can hear me on a storm of spoilers which is actually not very spoilery but that is a show that we started about game of thrones and is now just like whatever we want to talk about so <laughs> you've done a buffy episode right we sure have mm-hmm. yeah, yeah 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 so all the places joanna also writes for vanity fair which is a thing that is awesome i love everything that you write over there yes you can find me on vanityfair.com or you can follow me on twitter at joe wrote this hell yeah <laughs> you know me probably but just in case you don't i'm Kristen russo you can find me on twitter and on instagram at Kristen nolene that's k-r-i-s-t-i-n N-O-E-L-I-N-E. That's also the spelling you can use to find my website where you can learn about the work that I do with LGBTQ communities. Uh, And of course, you can find Buffering the Vampire Slayer on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook at BufferingCast. Um, You can also check out all the things that are going on with us at BufferingTheVampireSlayer.com. We're only about a month out from our New York City prom, which is sold out. But we are very excited to see those of you who are coming. And don't worry, we're going to do so many more proms. Proms forever. So you'll all get the chance to come to one. Uh, Joanna, I hope you come to a prom. I want to come to a prom. We need to make it so that you get to a prom. San Francisco prom. Hell yeah. Oh, God. Everybody in San Francisco Uh is just like, yes. Um, and of course, you can support us over on our Patreon page. You can find that at bufferingthevampireslayer.com. And I think that's it until we, I'm supposed to say, until next time, and then we're supposed to howl. Are you yeah, ready? I'm ready. Until next time. Uh, How is, have you been practicing? No. <laughs> wow. Hey guys, uh, before we jump into the song, I want to give you a heads up. You're going to hear so many voices. Oh my gosh. 
Most of them, you're going to recognize. You're going to be like, wow, hey, it's Bess Rogers, back as Willow. Oh, hey, it's the original Hawkeye with glasses, Chris Farron, back as Xander. But who is that? We hear. Voicing? Giles, hark, what? Dulcet tones through yonder earbuds break. Why? It is none other than friend of the pod. Actually, my friend and yours. The handsomest man in all of podcasting, Mr. Rishikesh Hirway, joins us today in his premiere performance as the voice of Rupert Giles. You're welcome. And thanks, Rishi. Jonathan, he's so cool, protector of Sunnydale High School, always ready with great advice for slaying and also my love life. There goes Jonathan, he's so fine, defeated the mayor that one time. Crushed the bones of the master too There's nothing that he can't do I don't even mind that my girlfriend says his name When we're lying in my bed I mean who could really Slaying and also my love life
I'm Madigan from Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, the podcast that explores the world through a personal, intersectional feminist perspective. I bring you two episodes a week. Every Monday, I cover something from a wide variety of topics, covering everything from feminist faves throughout history like Audre Lorde, listener coming out stories, and other hot-button topics like toxic masculinity and the Me Too movement as well as plenty feminist history, the good and the controversial. And then every Friday, I bring you a mini What's in the News episode to keep you up to date with everything that's going on today in the world. And with over 580 episodes available to you right now, there's plenty of good stuff to listen to. You can listen to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rage on. Bye. Bye.